Hello, lovely people out there. This is Elijah. And this is Marnita. And welcome back to From A to Ten, the Marnita's Table podcast. Yeah, and I just want to remind everybody out there, you know, people sometimes ask me, why do you call it From A to Ten? Just want to remind you, if you've ever heard of the term code switching, we are really looking at how do you bridge differences and change the lexicon when one group of people is going from one to ten and another one is going from A to Z. And we're just flipping the script. We're going from A to ten. So welcome. Welcome. And uh, we had to do a bit of... This is our second take because I I had some accent malfunction there, so I won't do it this time. Which is worse than a a wardrobe malfunction, it turns out. It really is. Wardrobe malfunction at least is a little salacious, and that was just bad. Yeah, I, I... I want to apologize to to the UK, which is As something I've producer. never said before. Um, something I don't think, I didn't think I would ever say. But uh, excited to announce that Marnita's table is headed to the jolly old UK. We are. In fact, you know, it's really interesting to me. I have not traveled much, and our first international people's work is in London. I've never been to London. Wait, since when have you not traveled much? You used to be at the the Cannes Film Festival. I, I know stories about me being passed around on a plane as a baby. I'll start there. We're uh, You've been to Costa Rica. You've been to Mexico. Been all over the U.S., obviously. Um, but I've never been. I've only been to France once. I was there for a month. Mm-hmm. I was at Cannes. You're right. You were four months old. Um, and you very, very much liked eating out at 11 at night, even at when you were four months old. Um, but, changes. but in fact, I have not really been overseas much. I've either been in the, in the Americas, if you will, Costa the Rica, Central America, yeah. and, uh, Mexico is in the Americas. I've, I've flown up and down and I've not gone past Central America. So I'm very excited to go to London. I hear it's a fabulous cosmopolitan city, but it, presents new interesting challenges. We're going to be working with a global services company there. And first of all, helping them come together across regions and globes to find common ground and to work more cohesively as a team. But on top of it, diversity and equity and inclusion look very different globally than it does in the United States. And and so not all companies are confronting the same issues. Not all organizations are looking at the same sort of Um, structural inequalities that we have in the U.S., and it's a very different conversation. So we're excited to have this opportunity to go. Right. And uh, we're we're pretty used to dealing with conversations in a way different than um, kind of maybe how we framed it as neither of us are from Minnesota, where we've done the majority of our work. And even then, when we're in Minnesota, we're very Minneapolitan, um, which is very different than a lot of uh, the work that we've done in greater minnesota as we like to call it um so we're used to such things but this is this is kind of a a whole new ballpark and we're really excited to see how izzy translates with an accent (laughs) with multiple accents because in fact um the work we're doing um they're bringing 250 people from around the world to london um so they'll be coming from mumbai mexico city Um, so it's actually a truly diverse global organization but you know some of those issues still come into play you know women lgbtq plus people who might be marginalized um we we are talking also about just how people across religion you know what if i need to say i'm a i'm a woman of a certain age who wears mini skirts and very high heels you know and i'm if i'm sitting next to a very conservative muslim man at work who would prefer to work with women 
maybe not at all or covered up, but we're both departments headed a company. What does that look like? You know, so there, there are global conversations that are a little bit different, but still really important to have. And in fact, more important than ever to have. More important than ever to have. And, you know, migrants are on the move. I, I haven't seen the new updated numbers from the United Nations, but I think at one point it was one out of every 30 people on earth were now a migrant, which is actually more than the population of the country of Brazil. And so when we're talking about populations across race, class, and culture, you know, for some of the people that will be in the room, they've never actually sat in a room and had to listen to a black woman lead a room before. They, that's <laughs> I feel not, like that's true of <laughs> a lot of so room. many people in the room. Oh. That's still true of the rooms that we do here. <laughs> that's true. That is true. That, it's true yeah. in most rooms we've been in, to be quite honest with you. But that, in fact, internationally, you know, so some of the things that, um, yes, the United States has big gender um, bias issues um, and challenges, but that globally, actually, gender bias issues are even more prevalent. Um, and that uh, also, you know, in Malaysia, for instance, the Malay population is actually the population that is guaranteed jobs or is given preferred access as opposed to the minority in the country. So um, when looking at the issues, I've, I've had to do some really deep study recently on on how um, colonialism has played out differently in different parts of the globe um, to understand their business mechanisms, to understand who might be at the table and who might not be at the table. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and by way of, by way of which we discern who should be at the table and, 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 who, and has, who must be at the table. Who must be at the table and who isn't given an opportunity to be at the table. And how do you translate this in such a way that somebody from Mumbai or somebody from Mexico City or, you know, somebody from... London or Paris or, you know, New York, how do all those people who work together, this is one company and they, they are in, I think it's 23 cities across the world. How do those people come together? You know, they're in Argentina, you know, they're in Buenos Aires and, you know, I don't know Hong Kong. So what does that look like? And so this has been a, an interesting challenge. And in fact, we are doing our global aligning process, which is um, a very interesting one peer to peer conversation that builds self-advocacy, the art of effective negotiation, as well as cross-cultural humility and engagement. And so we're really excited. That's in September. In fact, kind of crazy. I was listening to the news today. And today, um, I, as you know, Elijah, we're going to Hong Kong at the end of the month. Do you know that? That's and, and, we and, as mother and son and family, not as family. we as the table. Yep. we as, Well, but uh, the three of the table members are going to be there. So it feels but a little specifically bit. Specifically not we as the table. Right. But not we as the table. Um, but it's interesting, um, right now, Hong Kong is protesting and they're at the airport and people can't get through them at the airport. And I've been just thinking about what that means for us as a family going to a place that two of your brothers were born in Hong Kong and, and that were, things are happening all over the globe. The work we do isn't limited to white, black conversations or one type of conversation. It's really about how do people across difference find common ground, find common purpose, and really become effective collaborative partners in a way that one is not um, hierarchical over the other. Well put. So 
Elijah, I've been working, I'm on the writing team for uh, conversation prompts um, from Weave the People, which is out of the Aspen Institute, their DC office, not Aspen, Colorado, <laughs> as part of the Weave the People project that David Brooks 18 months ago lost, launched with Aspen. I, I laugh a little about it. I do tease him about this already, but that the fact is that 18 months ago, he determined that he thought that people needed to come together more across divides to find common ground. And 18 months ago, you say? 18 months ago, I say. Anyway, so the Aspen Institute launched this thing called Weave the People. And my role largely in the thing is to be the Lorax and speak for the trees to some. I assume I'm the trees here. We no. we the trees. We, we are the trees. Yeah. We, the brown and black people are the trees. First of all, I, I had love no the Lorax, idea. Though. Um, I do love the Lorax. And I like the star belly sneeches as well. But what was interesting about the work, um, we went to this Weave the People conference in, in D.C. in May. And Aspen is very excited about this idea that the social fabric is somehow ruptured. And if you read it, David Brooks has written um, a manifesto. It's, it actually is called The Manifesto. I, I wasn't going to ask because I assumed if you said it, he'd actually called it that. He called it The <laughs> Manifesto. And, it's a, it's a, and it has this idea that our greatest problems have come in the last 50 or 60 years because we became a meritocracy and all about individuality. And um, I look at the problem differently. He wants to reweave the social... He wants to reweave the social fabric, whereas I, born in 1962, I don't believe we had a social fabric, or at least a social fabric that included all of us. I don't think it was pretty. I don't think it was a pretty social fabric. I don't fabric. think I would have voted for that dress on Project Runway. Exactly. That dress, dress was... made of that social fabric. That social fabric. It was ugly. It was not... Yeah. That dress had too much chiffon and tulle mixed together poorly. Oh, chiffon and tulle is good. That's not the problem. It had just a lot it of white. It does when they're woven together badly. <laughs> Okay, we can when the chiffon and tool are like are contrasting, are are, are, are fighting, are, are clashing, clashing. With yes, not even power clashing, right? Just clashing about power, and exactly, and and it's the same issue that I have when um when somebody says I want to make America great again. I always say, when was it great? Like, tell me what you liked about it. What was it? When what did you feel it was great? And, you know, as I've been telling people, I've been really examining this in my own body that in 1962 until 1967, my body was actually evidence of a felony in 17 states. And so I never felt like I was part of a social fabric. In fact, until the last few years when I had my children and in this place I live now and this community that we've intentionally built, I never felt like I belonged in a community. So I am on board if the vision is not of some long past social fabric we're trying to re- gather but rather a new engagement a new kind of ecosystem that really does value all of us and really allows us all to grow as i have been spouting lately the soil the sun the seed oh, this was i think i just missed one soil sun seed Water. Water, water, was it water? Water, soil, sun, seed, and water. I've never anything grow in my life, so I'm yes. really not your helper here. Well, you know, you, you've made your hair grow. It looks good. Your hair is beautiful. Um, but anyway, the fact is that for many of us, we were not included in the fabric of this country. When it, we weren't written into the fabric of the country, we weren't, we weren't viewed as valuable in the fabric of the country. Well, we were viewed as valuable as... <laughs> specific monetary amount. Yes, but we didn't get to perceive that value ourselves. We were not allowed to. We were property value. We weren't present. We were valuable. We were valuable as property. We were of- fungible. I guess is the word. Yes, fungible. 
uh, for those who don't know, is a word meaning exchangeable for monetary value and or able to be, I don't know, valued. You know, when you were young, we would have said, look it up. I know, I know. And uh, that bitterness has stayed with me to this day. So you're welcome, kids. (laughs) But the fact is that um, I think my role on the writing committee is to remind people that all of us haven't had the same experience. So when we write questions for interest, we don't ever make any assumptions. And so they were writing questions and they were saying things like, what is your community like? And that assumes that you feel like you're a part of a community or that you only have one community. Uh, you know, I was saying that I feel much more connected to what I would think of as the black community, although I do not live in a black neighborhood. I feel more connected to the black community and the LGBTQ plus community um, and, you know, to the foodie community. Like those are communities that I feel very at home in. Um, where do I feel exactly perfectly at home in my own neighborhood? Um, uh, sometimes, right? You know, during, during a block party, maybe. Right. As long as I get to control the field of play in my neighborhood where the ladies don't come over and say, I wouldn't wear that. Or what are you wearing? You know, like, you know, people look at me kind of funny in my neighborhood with my bald head. Uh, do you have to tell me that? No, I don't. <laughs> they look at you funny. They call the cops on me. So <laughs> Exactly. Um, and so what does that mean? You know, so and, and having to to find a way to say to somebody, if you want to get people of color in a room, if you want to and welcome people who have been marginalized, you have to in some way do something more than just say all are welcome here. And how do you make a space that's created for everybody? Mm-hmm. You have and, to also acknowledge their experiences that right. they might not have the same past of having felt a part of some hypothetical social fabric and that they might in fact uh be put off by such an idea such a foundation in the first place so that's in itself a non-starter to any kind of cooperation in the same way that maybe for you the idea of having not had been part of a social fabric is a non-starter and that you should work past that right and what's really interesting is so want to guess what the very first question they wrote was where are you from Ooh. And this is a question that many, I get asked this all the time. I get asked it often in majority white rooms where it doesn't seem they're really interested in where I'm from. What it, it's what more they're like, with. you're not from here, are you? Right. You're not from around these parts, little missy. That's how I Just always. Just how far are we talking? <laughs> how far away are we talking? And, you know, they all, I said, they, they had all these questions written and I said, I couldn't answer any of these questions. And they thought I was going to just like be general, you know, very generalized. I came to answer these questions and I was very specific. I said, well, where are you from? It depends on what you're trying to get at. I said, I would break that into three questions. I would ask, what is your culture of origin or cultures of origin? Where were you born? And where do you live now? Because all those things are stories of where we are from. Right. When someone asks me where I'm from, I have to give a... I was born in Santa Monica. Yeah, I was born in Santa Monica, and then I moved to Minneapolis. And I went to Brown, and like, and that's a community, right? Those are all our. Mm -hmm. You're from Brown University now. You have. You're from Zate. You have. (laughs) I mean, but that's true, right? Those those are your. Those are your people. My fraternity. (laughs) But but in some ways, (laughs) if I asked someone where they were from and they said they're frat, I would clock them though. (laughs) Just to be clear, okay. (laughs) I would never say that out loud. I understand that. On a metaphysical sense, I agree with you here, though. In terms of we all are all from the, we are all made up of the things that we are made up of. I concur with that. If I ask you where you're from and you say you're frat, you're you're catching these hands, guy. So that's a warning. That was not permission for Marnie to stay 
But my point is, you know, part of my narrative and story now is I loved being the mom that your rat bros liked having to come and visit, you know, like, so in some ways I felt more home at Zate than I felt in the little all white town I grew up in that tried to throw beer bottles at us, you know, like, so those things are, those things are, um, are important to understand. And it was, I was a little bit worried. And in fact, I kept feeling like I was maybe, I kept saying like, am I the dog that keeps farting in the room? Cause like, you could just see their faces scrunchy. I've never heard, but please go on. Don't stop. <laughs> please go on. But today, but today it was really gratifying. People kept saying, I agree with Marnita. It was like all, all these heads were shaking on the Zoom call and saying, I agree with this. Like that's, I'd never thought of it that way. I'd never Nothing thought of how to. being the queen of a conference call. I, it, it was very, I, I, got, I almost wanted to put on my tiara. But the thing is, none of them had actually thought about how do you write a question that doesn't make assumptions? And then it's really okay to say, do you have a favorite holiday? not making the assumption that you have a favorite holiday or if you're talk if you have, if you're welcoming somebody to your table you know what do you what do you call home well if half the people in the room are homeless do you have a home is a better question than this notion I, I'm always amazed at how often I wrote questions that from my own perspective I've actually I actually was well I never really was homeless, but I left home at age 17 with $5 in my pocket and I didn't know where I was going to sleep. And, and so you were housing insecure. I was housing insecure when I was young. And so what it often, I was finding myself trying to push back really hard. And then I really sat and thought about how could I explain this to other people of goodwill, assuming good intent that we could find a way to find one shared narrative to bring people together to have important conversations about the community that they wanted to build going forward. And that was, it was really exciting and we're really honored to be a partner in the Aspen Institute work. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of great work and uh, maybe some exciting news uh, about that coming for you at some point soon. Um, So yeah, this has been a really enlightening, I think, conversation. We'll be talking to you more about future work with the Aspen Institute as well as our amusings. Um, say goodbye. So goodbye.